Welcome uh, to Lamar Avenue on uh, kind of a cloudy day, but I have heard no complaints uh, this morning. It's cool. I think fall is just around the corner, which means maybe all the hot, really hot temperatures are, are over, and we're thankful for that. Received a little rain, so that's all good, and it's good to see everyone uh, present this morning. I did not do a, a good job of preparing the church for this uh, this morning, so we may be a week or two behind just a little bit. But I have had some requests about providing a little sheet for those of you who like to take notes and fill in blanks. I've typically provided this at other places uh, that I've been. Our bulletin is pretty packed. And so Tanya and I got together and we decided that maybe uh, it would be better just to provide a little sheet. And so each Sunday, these little sermon note sheets will be available on the Welcome Center. We, we could insert them in the bulletin, but then we'd have a mess. Uh, for, for some of you who maybe don't take notes, I'm really not sure why you wouldn't, right? I mean, this is good stuff. So anyway, so over the next few weeks, try to train yourself, unless you want to scribble in the bulletin or, or other places, just please refrain from making paper airplanes or wadding them up and throwing them at the preacher. You can throw them at the worship leader, but not the preacher, all right? But anyway, uh, so this morning, you know, there's these little sheets available. I probably don't need everyone to go back and get one right now. Uh, and I apologize for not preparing everyone a little bit uh, better. But next week, again, they will be back there uh, at the Welcome Center if you would like a, a place to, to keep your notes. Our Wednesday night uh, Bible classes got off to a great start uh, this past Wednesday night. Uh, we have four options available, excuse me, five options available uh, for adults, and our attendance was uh, well over 100 uh, for our adult classes. I'm not sure how many children uh, we had here. I know we had a lot of children as well. It's never too late to jump into a Wednesday night uh, class, so uh, if you weren't able to attend a class this past Wednesday night, be sure and come this week, and uh, you'll see some information once again at the Welcome Center uh, about our Wednesday night adult classes. And we eat at 5.30, so there uh, is another reason to, to be here on, on Wednesday nights. One of the most uh, practical books that I have read in probably the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years that just deals with, with practical kind of ministry-related issues is a book written by Gary McIntosh and Charles Arne in 2013. It's titled... What Every Pastor Should Know, 101 Indispensable Rules of Thumb for Leading Your Church. And what McIntosh and Arne do in this, this book, they, they divide kind of church life or congregational life, we might say, into several different categories. And they tend to, to prioritize these things. And from each category based on their experiences, 
lists these, these little, little rules, again, just kind of practical things to think about as a church or as a congregation. And the very first subject is titled Evangelism and Outreach. And rule number one is this. The Great Commission Conscious Rule, which says disciple-making is the priority. Disciple-making is the priority for the church. Last Sunday, we finished a series of sermons in which we emphasized sincere worship. In sincere worship, we drew directly from our Connect with God vision statement. And even though we've concluded with sincere worship, we're going to continue to focus on uh, connecting with God. And I've lost, there it is, got my screen up. Which reads, we will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. So as we continue to connect with God, we move from sincere worship to making disciples. And I would tend to agree with Macintosh and Arne. I mean, if you want to boil down the, the purpose of the church, it is found in that text of Scripture that we regularly refer to as the Great Commission. That disciple-making must be our priority. And of course, our text is Matthew chapter uh, 28, uh, verses 16 through 20. So if you have your New Testament, turn to that very familiar text found at the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel. And let me begin by simply reading verses 16 and 17 in which Matthew puts the Great Commission into a context. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So the eleven are back in Galilee at least a week after the resurrection of Jesus, likely close to the end of his 40 days of appearances before his ascension. The encounter takes place on a designated mountain. And it's interesting that the immediate response was worship. And so there might be this little sidebar sermon or, or sidebar uh, point. One cannot meet the risen Lord without worshiping. Here they are in the presence of the resurrected Savior, the Son of God. They had been following him around, as Doug pointed out, for more than three years they witnessed some incredible things. And now they have witnessed perhaps the most incredible, Jesus' own resurrection. And they're just overcome with awe. And they fall down and they worship. But then Matthew adds this, this little phrase that some doubted. 
That seems almost incredible to me. Here Jesus has displayed his power in his public ministry. He has attracted a number of disciples beyond just the 11 apostles. He has performed miracles. He has exerted his authority. God's Spirit has led him in his public ministry. These men have have witnessed and experienced so many awesome things. And yet, Matthew tells us, some doubted. Well, the word that Matthew uses here is used only here and in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. In that context, it's when Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the Sea of Galilee towards Jesus, his Savior, and his, his faith begins to waver just a little bit, and he begins to sink. Jesus rescues him. They get back into the boat, and, and Jesus gets on to Peter a little bit and uses this word and says, Why did you doubt? Well, I don't believe this unbelief is a lack of faith or an unwillingness to trust, certainly not opposition, right? And it's not the doubt of Thomas who, who needed proof, who, who needed a big boost in, in belief. This word seems to suggest more a hesitancy or a reluctance. In fact, the word is derived from the, the word for the numeral two. And so it's the idea of, of second-guessing maybe just a little bit, to think twice, to have a second thought. It's maybe asking that question, what have I gotten myself into? I mean, here these 11 men are, are again, just, just overcome with worship and overcome with, with awe, being in the presence of the resurrected Lord. And there must have been some who were thinking, wait a minute, can I handle this? I mean, do, do I need to rethink this a little bit? What have I gotten myself into? Well, that's, that's the context that Matthew gives us for verses 18 through 20 that, again, we refer to as the Great Commission. And so Jesus responds to some of this doubt or maybe some of this hesitancy on some of the 11's part by giving the Great Commission. He says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What makes the Great Commission great? What is it that Jesus said to these 11 apostles that would help them overcome their reluctancy or maybe their hesitancy to jump in now with both feet? Well, let me suggest three reasons this morning why the Great Commission is great. Number one, we have a great ruling from a great ruler. Jesus makes a pretty bold claim here. He says, all authority has been given to me. 
The word authority implying a power of, of position, uh, a power of, of function, a ruling function. It is an absolute, all-embracing formula that Jesus has received from God the Father himself. Now, now think about this for just a moment. Jesus, having been handed over to the authorities, now has been handed authority over them, and not just them, but Jesus says over all. A very inclusive word that we're going to come back to at the end of this lesson. And so the one reason the Great Commission is so great is we have this great ruling from a great ruler. Number two, we also have a great cause from a great Christ. All right? Now, let's, let's go back uh, to the commi actual commission uh, itself in verses 19 uh, and, and 20. And let's understand that the commission is given by means of one main imperative verb. And that is make disciples. That is the command. The command is to go and make disciples. Right? And this imperative suggests a sense of urgency. Right? And emphasizes its importance. Or as Macintosh and Arn said, you know, it's, it's to be our primary uh, responsibility. Number one priority for the church is to make disciples. Now, there are three subordinate participles that are linked to the main verb. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Right? And because these three participles are linked to the imperative or to the command itself, these three participles also take on uh, a form of imperative or they are a command as well. So because the main verb is a command, the three participles take on the force of the command and tell us how we make disciples. We make disciples three ways. And they, they, they're all inclusive, okay? We make them by going, we make them by baptizing, and we make them by teaching. Right. So a second reason the Great Commission is great is because of this great cause from a great Christ. But then number three, the Great Commission is great because of a great promise from a great presence. Jesus concludes by saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word translated uh, surely in the uh, NIV is really a particle from the verb to see. And we find this word used throughout the New Testament and it's used to kind of enliven the message. We might say, look, or, or listen up. It's, it's designed to capture some attention. And again, to bring, bring some energy uh, uh, to what is, is being said. Uh, the word uh, always is literally all day. 
all day long, the whole of every day, each day as we live it. Or again, a modern phrase might be, Jesus is telling us he's with us 24-7. Not just when we're here together in worship, not just when we may be together on Sunday night, but Jesus is with us 24-7. Every waking moment, every sleeping moment, Jesus is with us. The Great Commission is great because of a great ruling from a great ruler, because of a great cause from a great Christ, and because of a great promise from a great presence. But what does it actually mean? All right. Well, let's go back and, and let's look at, at the four uh, key words uh, of the commission uh, itself. Uh, this portion of our lesson will be brought to us by the letter I. Okay? When we say go, it means to infiltrate as followers of Jesus. All right? Now, let's be honest. Uh, of the four components of the Great Commission, we've, we've been best at going, right? Think about it. We go somewhere nearly every day, right? We go to work, we go to school, we go shop, we go out to eat, uh, we go out to recreate, we, we go and go and go. Occasionally, we might stay at home. But we got this part of the commission down, right? We, we're going all the time. The key is to understand that as we go, we're to make disciples. It, it doesn't matter if we're going to work. It doesn't matter if we're going to school or we're going to buy a cup of coffee or we're, we're going out to eat. We should have this great commission conscious, uh, consciousness about us, understanding that we all, we all can be missionaries. As, as God opens doors, as God brings people into our lives who need him, who maybe are lonely or depressed, and, they, and they, they need the gospel. They need Jesus in their lives. So we infiltrate. We are a part of social clubs, and we are a part of service clubs, and we, we are members of the PTO or the PTA, whatever it's called, and, and, and we're involved in our communities. We infiltrate where God has placed us. What do we mean by make disciples? Well, by making disciples, we are seeking to incorporate or assimilate people into the body of Christ. And, and so making disciples means that we are inclus including, we are uh, incorporating, we are assimilating, we're seeking to get people into the body. All right? We go. We make disciples. Another important component, as we've said, is baptizing. And that is the initiation part. All right? uh, the first step uh, if you will, 
as we are immersed into the name of Jesus. We become a part of, of his body, the church. And, and this, this is a component that we have, we have traditionally emphasized. I believe we've gotten away from it a little bit, all right? And we need to emphasize it uh, even more uh, as I read and observe other uh, groups out there in, in kind of the evangelical world at, at large. I see other groups uh, really emphasizing baptism. It, it always bothers me. When I read of, of groups who maybe don't have quite as high a baptismal theology as we do, and yet they're baptizing more people than we are. And I, I don't know what all the reasons are for that. Uh, but I think one solution is to begin to talk about baptism more and, and to talk about the theology associated with, with baptism. It's more than just initiation, okay? But it is that, that first step. And I needed a word that began with the letter I, okay? Right. And then finally, to teach. And I got to admit, it really bothered me last night as I was going back over uh, this lesson. I had infiltrate, incorporate, and initiate. And the word incorporate, I'm going to have to look at it again. Inculcate came to me. It, it really did. And I thought, wait a minute, what does that word mean? Well, it means to implant by repeated statements or admonition to teach persistently and earnestly. I think initially I had the word inform. Just didn't work with the other three. This one does if you can say it. All right. And, and, and again, we, we've done pretty well, we go, again, I've already made that point, and, and, and we've done pretty well baptizing people. But have you ever been a part of a, a campaign or some mission effort, whether it's locally or globally? And, and, and we've baptized maybe a lot of people, and we've gone back the next year, and no one is to be found. Anybody ever been there? You know, we, we wonder. That's this component. We, we don't baptize and forget about them. We continue to work. We persist in our teaching. We inculcate them. All right? And we spend time and we disciple. You know, we, we've been a little nervous about that word, but it's a biblical word. All right? Jesus spent three years with these 11 guys. And, and we might spend one or two Bible lessons, we, we initiate them through baptism, and then we just kind of leave them on their own. Right? That's not the pattern. That's not the biblical pattern. Right? And so this very important component of, of teaching. So we infiltrate, we incorporate, we initiate, and we inculcate as we seek to make disciples. Uh, there is a man, uh, there was a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a British missionary who, who spent the majority of his life in China during the 18th century, and he made this statement. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. 
Dallas Willard puts it this way. The Great Commission has become the great omission in the body of Christ. And, and so this, again, is, is something that we must take very seriously. And I'm, I'm thankful that uh, making disciples and in, in responding as a church to the Great Commission is a part of our vision statement of connecting with God. Because it's through making disciples then that we help others connect with God. And, and so I, I, I pray that, that making disciples will be the number one priority for this church uh, as well. So, is there some hesitancy on our part? Is there some reluctancy? Have we ever questioned ourselves after we've, we've been immersed into Jesus... And maybe we've walked along in our Christian life for a year or two or however long, and we step back and we think, oh, I didn't know I signed up for this. <laughs> and, and, and so maybe in that sense, we, we have our own doubt. And so how do we overcome our own reluctancy? All right, Three things as we conclude. Number one, embrace the all. Four times in the Great Commission, Jesus uses that little word, all. A-L-L. -L. All authority has been given to him. We are to go to all nations. That includes everyone. You know, we are sent to everyone. Everything is literally all things. We are to obey all things. We are to teach others all things and to teach them to obey all things. Jesus is with us always, all the time. So if there is, there is some reluctancy there, embrace the all. Embrace that great ruler. And this, this great ruling that he has given to us. Secondly, simply answer the call. We embrace the all, we answer the call. And as Peter did back in Matthew 14, let's jump out of the boat. Jesus is there with us. He will fulfill his promise. He is, he is present with us. So number three, know that we have the wherewithal. Embrace the, the all, answer the call, and know we have the wherewithal, and it's Jesus. Matthew does something really cool with his gospel. It begins in chapter 1 with this angel appearing to Joseph and tells him that the woman he is engaged to, her name was Mary, is going to conceive through the Holy Spirit. And the angel tells Joseph that he shall be called Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. And so Matthew's gospel begins with this great promise of God being with us through Jesus. 
and ends this gospel with Jesus making that point again. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You'll never be alone. I will go. I will help. I will empower. I will assist. I am there. And when you feel afraid and you doubt and you feel all alone, I am there. So this morning, as we, as we continue to, to think about uh, the vision that's been uh, given to us here at Lamar Avenue, as we think about uh, connecting with God, we, we move from sincere worship to this, this commission, this, this call, this, this challenge, this mission, if you will, of making disciples. We'll continue this theme next week. And in order, in order to make disciples, you got to be a disciple, right? So we'll talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, we've learned this morning, it begins with that initiation rite, if you will, by being baptized into the name of the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. There may be someone here this morning who is ready to begin that journey by putting their Lord on in baptism. Maybe you've responded obediently in that sense and you just simply need some courage. There's some doubt. There's some reluctancy. We're here to support. We're here to encourage. We're here to pray for you. If you have any need this morning, please come while we stand and sing. Keith.